lifted her with generous ginger hair that she caught up like crimped red ribbon atop her head. Rebecca's husband, Aaron Weiner, leased the dark three-story townhouse on Perry Street. The couple lived in relative privacy on the third floor while my mother cooked and cleaned for us all. I loved Rebecca. She was my second, more indulgent mother, who introduced me to Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore and its heroine, Josephine the last that loved a sailor, not of her father's choosing. It was an irony not lost on Ma. She was as sharp as she was judgmental and certainly parceled out guilt to Rebecca for indulging my artistic side when she was supposed to be shopping a more cultured version of myself to wealthy widowers of the congregation and member of the Weiner's German-Jewish circle. I harbored no anger toward Ma. Well, maybe a little. I hadn't the guts to ask how this marrying a daughter off to an older man differed from the prostitution practiced on Tombstone's Allen Street, except that the transaction remained within the faith. We were all related on Perry Street, but it wasn't quite like living with family. We were the poor relations, the schnorers, and on a Friday night, Becca and her husband ate with his grandparents and extended family in a grander house on the hill. At the end of the night, they changed shoes to trudge home so as to not break the Sabbath. We were unwelcome at their Shabbat dinner, prepared by a cook and served by a maid. The Winers expected their son, the businessman, to earn his way up to a house on the street beside theirs. Everyone must pull their weight. He'd taken a step back because he'd married Becca. Even though he got lucky with my beautiful sister, considering his extreme myopia, lack of shoulders, and misshapen spine. The formal mantel mirror above the dinner table reflected the five of us in a painting. To my left sat Papa. Ma was on my right. Across the table perched Nathan and Henny. Nathan resembled my mother, tall, towering over Papa, with a pointed chin and the serious brow of a scholar crawling across his forehead like a caterpillar. Henny was a shy girl on the plain side of pretty, with a long, freckled face and heavy eyelids above pale lashes, which gave her a sleepy look that led people to underestimate her ample intelligence. Before I left home the first time, I had sat beside Henny facing the mirror. Now I sat quarantined by myself. We clustered in the wood-paneled front room with the bay windows overlooking an identical house across Perry Street. I watched Ma with her generous brow and incongruous pointy chin light the Shabbat candles at the foot of the table. Like a hanky dropped by God, her ecru lace scarf covered her taut bun. She was the picture of martyrdom, raising her arms in their stiff leg of mutton sleeves. She passed slender fingers in three graceful circles over the candles, set in heavy silver, all that remained of the treasures her family had smuggled out of Prussia. I loved my mother, but wouldn't follow her down her path of righteousness and sorrow. We lived in a new world. She dwelled among old dibbics. Then Papa took his turn at the table's head. Though he was eight years younger than Ma, his hair had dwindled to a few wisps, and he shrunk into silence around her. He was a gentle man, whose brush of a mustache made me imagine what a dashing bachelor he must have been when he first met my mother on Manhattan's Hester Street. They were Prussian immigrants from trampled towns near each other. Ma, a recent widow with three-year-old Rebecca, and he, already a baker, 
capable of earning a living even in tough times. Papa didn't feel the Sabbath ritual deeply like Ma, but he knew the drill, having grown up as the only son among sisters. In the rapid mumbling Hebrew Papa used, he blessed us children. I heard Ma's breath catch when he blessed me. I knew where I got my flair for drama. Then he muttered the hamotzi over the braided challah that he made at the bakery where he worked. Ma sniffed, and we all sat down to kreplach soup with chunky carrots floating in broth left over from last week's roast. I had already served the soup. Henny's job was clearing the table. Nathan's was studying the Torah with Ma after dinner. I lost myself in my bowl, then looked up to catch Henny's eyes. She looked down and away shyly. This was strange. We'd always been close, even if that meant I led her into temptation, getting her ears pierced when we knew Ma wouldn't approve, buying trinkets in Chinatown, and peeking.